My name's Dylan. This is the Pit Fiend Podcast, a podcast about life, death, community, and heavy music in Australia. Today we're talking about Alpha Wolf's new album, A Quiet Place to Die, as well as yours truly's new one, Self Care. I have been a huge Alpha Wolf fan since their debut album, Mono. After they changed their lineup in 2018, which we will come back to, I was tentatively optimistic about how they'd sound moving forward. Alpha Wolf have been a big deal for a long time and they've toured with some big names. I've seen them play live once when they were in the unenviable position of sharing a stage with Polaris and Crystal Lake. I did have a few too many Windjammers that night, but I took away a general feeling of being kind of underwhelmed. With the release of A Quiet Place to Die, I was hoping for the realisation of all the potential that Mono promised. This new album is the first release since the lineup all got settled in and all started working together. It's a high stakes album for Alpha Wolf. If this album is no good, they'll become just another forgettable metalcore band who could have been good. And even if the album is good, it's going to be released into one of the strongest years in recent memory for heavy music in Australia. It's going to have to carve out a name for itself alongside the best Amity albums since Youngbloods, a game-changing record from Polaris, alongside Make Them Suffer, Justice for the Damned, Thornhill, and even more. But at least they shouldn't have too much trouble with Kaliuga. So to talk about A Quiet Place to Die, I have to start by talking about Alpha Wolf's first album, Mono. Alpha Wolf really became part of the heavy music zeitgeist in 2017, when they released a new metal-influenced metalcore album that came off very much like Australia's answer to Sworn In. And there was a lot to like about Mono, particularly for me in its ambition. It was a deeply personal record, and it reached out to the listener in desperation. There's a life lived in pain, guilt, and anger that just needs to be understood and connected with to heal. It was trying to go for a new sound that hadn't really been explored yet, and this was before Parkway Drive's foray into new metal and dad rock, before that had really permeated the scene. Mono's main problem for me was that its ambition clearly exceeded its ability. The blast beats in the second track are jarringly slow, the vocal style comes off whiny rather than expression of real emotion, and the album came off as immature in some places. I'm thinking of lines like, I slit my throat with the note that you left me, and the sections of screaming over this generic piano sound. This is evidence of a band that takes themselves very seriously. All that said, I liked Mono a lot, but because of what it could be, and because of the genuine emotion that sat behind the writing. So I kept track of Alpha Wolf. I was actually due to see Alpha Wolf play in April of 2018 supporting Polaris and The Devil Wears Prada, but they dropped off that tour when sexual assault allegations came to light against the vocalist. Alpha Wolf became one of the innumerable bands who were called out around that time because of one or more members who were alleged to have sexually assaulted someone. I think for a lot of us who pay attention to heavy music in Australia, we weren't so much surprised by how many bands got called out, but we were surprised by how ashamed we felt about it. We all knew people who have acted poorly in our presence, either by being pushy with the girls around them, or treating them badly in relationships, or who were just too old to still be acting like a teenager about a crush. We've all called them out on the minor offences in the past, before they became major, but were we doing enough? What did these people do when we weren't there to pull them up? Did they really feel bad? 
Are we forcing all the women in our scene to become hardened, unable to enjoy themselves for fear of being groped in mosh pits, or messaged incessantly by young men who just don't have the emotional maturity to know better? And really, do we want these people in our community? I don't know Elthorf's old vocalist, so I can't see if any of this is actually a description of him, or even if these allegations against him were true. I do think it's worth reflecting on that period and continuing towards an inclusive scene, which is a path we are further along now than we were only a few years ago. A lot of bands just ended after one of their members was accused in this way. Some made lineup changes and then faded away. Alpha Wolf had the option to either give up and form a new band, or to recruit a new vocalist and try to leave the past behind. They chose the latter option and they continued on. This by itself was a risky move. 2018 was the peak of cancel culture, and in a righteous show of solidarity with the alleged victim, they could have found all their shows boycotted, or a slew of emails to the label demanding that they be dropped. But unperturbed, Alpha Wolf released Fault in 2019. Fault is important because it's the first release with their new vocalist, and it marked a serious departure in their sound. Fault is significantly heavier than mono, and it demonstrates a progression. There's no more screaming over piano solos, no more too deep for you angst. That said, they hadn't completely left behind their youth. Opening track No Name features the now unforgettable line, Can you hear that? That's the sound of me not giving a fuck. Nonetheless, the EP was a huge release for the band, and it also demonstrated the scream of their new frontman, which now is an unmistakable hallmark of Alpha Wolf. Unfortunately for me, Fault was a pretty forgettable release. Fault had the opposite problem to Mono for me. The band had matured and they had a much better handle on their sound, but with their new lineup, they were afraid to take the risks they needed to take to make something good. I was left feeling that they had released a fairly safe metalcore EP and that they were capable of so much more. With a new vocalist, this is a pretty forgivable sin, but I almost never found myself returning to listen to Fault. In this case, I think ability surpassed ambition. When A Quiet Place to Die was announced, I was left hoping for an album with the ambition of Mono, executed with the talent we were shown on Fault. And then Alpha Wolf dropped Akodama. Straight away you hear that high-pitched guitar work from Mono, then it was just a characteristic of their sound, but now it's an immediate signature of the band. The production is miles ahead of Mono. You also get the new vocalist's now instantly recognisable scream. Akodama is heavy and angry and technical and interesting and original. Akodama stands out next to powerhouse singles from this year from much bigger bands. I'm thinking Masochist from Polaris, I'm thinking Soak Me in Bleach from Amity. Akodama became an instant favourite of mine and got me all but salivating for the rest of the album. Once I heard it though, I feel like it lacked the emotional connection that Mono was trying to aim for. Mono wanted to be a wildlife, or a stage four, or a where I go when I am sleeping. But A Quiet Place to Die lacks that ambition. Don't get me wrong, it has emotional depth. Restricted R18 Plus shows a surprising level of emotional nuance for the genre. And the final track, Don't Ask, is one of the best executed metalcore explorations of grief I've ever heard. What I mean is, it's not trying to be the album that 14 year olds are trying to build identities around. And I think Mono really wanted that, and if A Quiet Place to Die wanted to be that, maybe it could have been. There are some other missed opportunities peppered throughout the album. Golden Fate Isolate has some absolutely heartbreaking lines, 
But with the reach of this album, and the fact that this is a follow-up to the two Golden Fate tracks on mono, I feel like it could have done more. There are a few verses where lyrics could have been entirely changed out for something more personal for the listener to connect with. For example, I can hear the pain dripping off the line, Did you know this would fuck me up? I've lost more friends than I've got. But then later in the song, it's weird to hear, Ulterior motives of an undue exit, your eyes set on a casket, blinded by eyes of Ryuk. I mean, how am I supposed to connect with that line emotionally? Before the album was released, Bleed For You got a lot of attention, but for me, this is a highly skippable track. I don't have a problem with slow metalcore and hardcore songs, which I know this band was anxious about before they dropped Bleed For You. Don't Ask, for example, is just as slow, and it's a stellar track. What I do have a problem with is uninteresting musicianship and a poor demonstration of emotional maturity. Bleed For You is at best an experiment that could be improved upon, and at worst, it's an uninteresting expression of a failed teenage crush. All that said, I think A Quiet Place To Die is actually a pretty good contender for Album of the Year. Alpha Wolf's ability to write a song that grabs the listener and rips them along for the ride is second to none. You just don't get to come up for air from the opening bars of the opening track all the way through to Bleed For You, and that only lasts as long as you can tolerate it before you skip it and then you go straight down the ski slope of success of the last four tracks. It's a mix of knowing exactly what the listener wants to hear, exactly how many bars before there needs to be a change, fine-tuning the guitar tone and not overusing their signature sounds, the vocal performance, the dynamism of the whole album. No two songs sound the same, and no song goes for more than a few bars before introducing something brand new. This album is going to be absolutely explosive live. It's a high-energy feast from beginning to end that absolutely refuses to be listened to as background music. This album rewards a close listen over and over. This album dropped the day before my wedding day. It's no word of a lie that while I was waiting for my groomsmen to arrive at my house, I listened to this album through twice. I played it in the car again on the way to my best man's house, and again when we sat up the night before. For me, the aesthetic of this album captures my emotional state at that time exactly. I was full of nervous energy, I was stressed, but I was also hopeful and I was excited. We ended up getting married during the COVID-19 pandemic here in Queensland, and so a lot of our family was stuck down in New South Wales. And that left us with a sense of deep disappointment, and we felt guilty. For me, A Quiet Place to Die sounded exactly like how I was feeling. It's surprising how we, as a community, can find so much happiness and so much hope in this heavy music. The description of witnessing someone's seizure in ultraviolet violence seemed to resonate perfectly with my nervous energy at the time. The bouncy, fast-paced assertiveness of Akodama fed my commitment to the day, and it helped me find a place of confidence where I could sit comfortably and make decisions without feeling overwhelmed. To me, that's what this album sounds like now, and we share a connection that can't ever be taken away. A Quiet Place to Die is a hell of a release from a band that was only two years ago on the brink of disappearing. This album tells a story about Alpha Wolf far more than it tells the stories within it. The album itself is a story of pain and loss and anger, and it does do a good job of that, but I think the triumph of Alpha Wolf in releasing an album this good is a much better story. 
Alpha Wolf were almost destroyed at a time when a lot of other bands, a lot of much bigger bands, were breaking up when faced with similar allegations. Alpha Wolf were coming off the back of a good but not great album, and then they followed it up with a good but not great EP, and then we were only starting to see the first signs of what could be a strong and original sound. Then they had a tour in the US cancelled halfway through, but they had already finished recording, which means they didn't get a chance to meticulously write and rewrite and record and re-record this album. They've spent the last six months sitting at home, like we have, waiting for their follow-up album to come out and hoping that they were releasing something great. Well, they were. This is Alpha Wolf's redemption story, complete with this album. And that's so compelling to me. It shows us that just because an obstacle will stop someone else, it doesn't have to stop us. We have to face the consequences of our actions, or even of the random suffering that life throws at us. Overcoming is a process of strength, but it is also a process of decay. There is a part of us that struggles, and it makes our lives harder for its existence. There is a part of us that has to be let go if we are ever going to achieve anything hard, for better or for worse. Sometimes that part of us is a band member. Sometimes it's our image of ourselves, or our self-flagellation, or our self-judgement, or our bad habits, or our commitment to doing it on our own, but that part of us has to die if we are to be redeemed. Alpha Wolf's redemption is our redemption. Their success can be our success. Listening to A Quiet Place to Die in the context of Alpha Wolf's career so far is an exercise in understanding that through accepting both our strengths and our weaknesses, we can also be redeemed. So what should you put on your playlist? Creep, Akudama, and Ultraviolet Violence, but you really can't go wrong with anything off this album, except maybe the slow-to-start title track and obviously Bleed For You. Check out the Pitfiend playlist on Spotify to find all my playlist recommendations. Will I buy this on vinyl? I have already managed to get a copy of the clear pressing and I can tell you that the digital version has already had a lot of plays. I give A Quiet Place to Die 4 stars. Yours truly have been around for a few years now, forming in 2016 and coming out the gate fast with great critical acclaim on 2017 EP Too Late for Apologies. They really blew up off the back of 2018 single High Hopes in support of their 2019 EP Afterglow. Afterglow received massive critical acclaim, scoring nearly perfect scores or in one case an actual perfect score. And that was with real music journalists Australia-wide. I can say personally that all of my mates rate yours truly really highly. So with the announcement of debut album Self Care only one year after Afterglow, the hype across the internet and among my mates has reached a fever pitch. Yours truly have found themselves with something of a problem. How do you write, record and release an album in one year that can follow up Afterglow? In the same record, how do you get out from under the shadow of Tonight Alive and, to a lesser extent, Stand Atlantic? Let's not also forget that the baseline challenge of releasing something special into a genre that's been done to death. The best bands of pop punk and easycore have been international. These are bands like The Wonder Years, The Story So Far, Four Years Strong. They manage this by tackling personal themes that we, the listener, haven't heard before, but that we can still connect with really strongly. They do this with really good vocal performances that carry emotion, and they carry it like a dam bursting. 
and they also do it through sheer songwriting talent. I really don't envy the task that yours truly have set themselves introducing self-care into this arena, even with the tailwind of massive internet hype. I'd like to start by talking about the singles a bit. Releasing strong singles has become more important in the playlist era, where individual plays are more important than album sales. Most listeners are not going to sit down with a lyric sheet and read along with the album, listening through a few times before working out if they really like it. What's going to happen is they're going to throw it on in the background, or they're going to throw it on in the car, or they're going to listen to half a song and then they're going to skip it and onto the next playlist. Thankfully, yours truly know what they're doing and they have dropped four no-nonsense singles that nail articulating their ambition and their sound. There are some classic pop-punk riffs and melodies that are recognisable to anyone who's familiar with the genre, and the vocal performances from Michaela are note-perfect. With composure and with together, the band showed that they know their genre inside out. The lyrical themes of both songs tread well-worn ground with hardcore and pop-punk, and do nothing if not convince me that yours truly know what they're doing. They also demonstrate a slightly better produced, marginally more polished sound than Afterglow. The next two singles, Undersize and Funeral Home, are my favourites. They show the ability for the band to write something a little different. Undersize in particular is a truly fun song about dealing with hard times even if the lyrics are a little opaque for my liking. Funeral Home starts off as a bread and butter pop punk track, but quickly becomes dark and clearly written specifically for the huge subset of our scene that deals with depression and have lost friends to it. Funeral Home is not just my favourite single, but also my favourite song on the whole album. I think it's also kind of a good case study for where I think the album falls down. If you haven't paid attention to or read along with the lyrics for the entirety of the song, then you're unlikely to notice what a standout it really is. Michaela sings in and out of an American accent and it's difficult to understand what she's saying sometimes, which means it's easy to miss half a verse or more without really getting the theme of the song. For Funeral Home, this would be a real shame, because it takes this really dark theme that's just not foreign enough, and it packages it in this familiar format that can be exactly the right song at the right time for the right person. Across the whole album, I missed huge sections of the lyrics, and as someone who really loves good lyrics, this was quite difficult for me. I benefited massively from listening through again with the lyric sheets in front of me. To the untrained ear, which mine is, the rest of the album also sounds like more of the same paint-by-numbers pop-punk we've come to expect from the album so far. The thing is, yours truly have shown us with two terrific EPs and now with self-care that they can do pop-punk. There are some great moments on this album. They're interspersed between fast and bouncy verses, catchy choruses, creative drumming, familiar but well-written guitar work, and unique takes on themes like breakups and depression. By all measures of the genre, Yours truly have hit it out of the park. Self-care accomplishes this in a terribly short album cycle without ever breaking stride. In fact, this album leaves me wanting so much more. I know that they have all the talent they need to release something truly special. A superstar smash hit single or a genre-defining album, but instead, we have Self-care. A great pop-punk album. One of my biggest issues on this album, an issue that wasn't on their previous releases and that I've already touched on when I was talking about Funeral Home, is the inflection in Michaela's singing. She could be singing about breakups, or about hating her hometown, or how much she loves her friends. It's jarring to hear her sing a line like, I'll see you at another wake, which could just as easily be a line about anything else. 
For a genre with the ability to show so much clarity and emotional depth, I feel like this is a huge wasted opportunity. That said, there isn't that much variation to show which I was also disappointed by. A number of the tracks explore the breakup of an on-again, off-again relationship, but they don't really differentiate much from each other in terms of sound or in terms of theme. Unfortunately, with the exception of Half of Me and Undersize, the rest of the album sounds very similar and it all explores similar themes. Vivid Dream is a welcome departure, so I wish I could be positive about that song, but it sounds like just another cookie cutter pop punk track and it has few standout features musically. On top of that, the lyrical themes are around experiencing an increasing success and the feeling of this thing you're doing or are good at taking on a life of its own, whether you feel ready for it or not. And I'm really glad that they feel comfortable sharing that with us, but that's not a feeling that most listeners are probably going to be familiar with. I think that Vivid Dream is actually the most forgettable track on the album by a wide margin. Really, only Funeral Home, Undersize and the acoustic track Half of Me stand out as really great songs. And Half of Me itself is actually interesting. It's a vocals-heavy song about missing a long-distance partner and living with it falling apart. Its inclusion makes me think of other pop-punk acoustics that have seen bands blow up. I'm thinking of A Part of Me, I'm thinking of If It Means A Lot To You, I'm thinking of Remembering Sunday. With the new generation of music fans probably all having the experience of having a relationship over the internet or otherwise displaced geographically, this is probably a great way to write a song like that in 2020. Personally, it was only a few years ago that I lived over a thousand kilometers away from my now wife, and I was away for nine months. It was the hardest stretch of our whole relationship, never mind what it did for us individually. Half of me makes me think very much of that time, and of the harder parts of those months, when the end of that period seemed very distant, and the thing that separates us being for me rather than for us. My issue is that I don't think that Half of Me does a good enough job, and I really wanted it to. It's easy to think here that I don't like the album, and that's not it at all. If anything, what I'm really saying is that yours truly are better than this album. I'd like to see more tracks that explore different issues, tracks like Half of Me and Funeral Home. I'd like to see more departures from what I called before Paint by Numbers Pop Punk. This is like Undersize. The band is obviously talented enough to do more with their sound, and they should be free to explore it. Michaela herself is obviously more than good enough to try something different, and I'd love to hear her deliver more emotion in her voice. I haven't mentioned the single Together much, but it's also one of the better songs on the album, and it talks about putting on a brave face when you feel like a complete waste of space. It's a bit of a cliché, but for me, and I think for a lot of us, it's a cliché that we live with for huge portions of our lives. I think if this was an EP, consisting only of Together, Undersize, Funeral Home, and Half of Me, it would be one of the best releases of the year. The rest of the tracks are good but not great, and they don't make the album any better, except to sort of define what yours truly sits down like. Self Care is a solid pop-punk release from a band that I think has it in them to release a true album of the year contender. Instead, for me, this will be just another forgettable album from a band that could do so much more if they dared to. So what's worth putting on the podcast playlist? Funeral Home, Undersize, and Half of Me. Check out the Pitfiend playlist on Spotify for all of my playlist recommendations. Will I buy this on vinyl? Yeah, I think I will if I spot it in stock. The thing is, while most of the album is cookie-cutter pop-punk, 
It is really good cookie cutter pop punk. Yours truly just know their genre so well and they just can't put a foot wrong. I play this when I have friends around or when I want something energetic and fun on while I go and do something else. I give Self Care by Yours Truly three stars. You can tell me how wrong I am at facebook.com slash pitfiend or at at pitfiendpodcast on Instagram.